Can I tell you? Uh, let's see. What's a good time frame? Can I tell you how 12 and a half of my past 30 hours have been spent? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I think Dude, I know. I, I put 12 hours into Rimworld yesterday. <laughs> Matt, we bought this game at like 8 p.m. last night. No, 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 no. We bought it like at three. Maybe it was oh. only ten hours. But oh, okay. You daylight savings what... time, you know, mm-hmm. temporal anomalies. But from when we bought it at three, I didn't stop until like two or one or something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> and I only stopped because a mind collapsed on Tito and it graphically described how his head got bashed in. And I figured it was time to call it quit for the night. Theme song. But this is the Motion Pixels Podcast. I'm your co-host, August Meyer. This is co-host number two, Matthew Rawlings. Matthew, say hi. Hi, number two Exe- here, exe- reporting ex- in. Executive associate co-host. Um, we are a movie and video game podcast. And today, that's what we'll be doing. We'll be podcasting. Welcome. Welcome. Think of this as a space to kind of stretch your legs out. Stretch your legs out, relax, chill out, and listen to two of America's, well, actually, two America's top two podcasters, you know, kind of exercise our art and uh, hear my cat meow in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We'll get that out in post. Um, Mickey, Mickey the cat is a friend of the show, but um, we're booked up today, so there will be no guest today. Um, there are rumblings that we may have guests um, in the future. Um, so some of America's most sought-after talent may be joining us on America's number one podcast. So, um, I mean, but that's kind of what happens when you are the bad boys of podcasting, and there's kind of like a no rules attitude. You kind of, uh, you know, fellow mavericks gravitate towards you. So, um, have you read The Secret? It's a lot like that. Um, but this week we'll be talking about RimWorld, and um, yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, we could just talk about. I, I could talk about RimWorld the entire time. Yeah, see, I'm gonna uh, be the moderator to moderate. Uh, the... Let's just let's talk about let's talk about movies first. That way, I can just like dive into RimWorld talk. Well, there's other games I want to talk about. You know, so oh, they're, they're no, gonna, no, we'll, we'll sorry, be cutting, booked up, booked we'll up. We'll be cutting the the RimWorld content with a little, you know. A few sprinkles of uh, the, what what I want to talk about um, as the executive co-host. Um, you know, I have a lot of sway in, in the in the editing room. All right. Well, you kick it off then, because uh, I only have two things, and I don't think you really want me to start talking about either of them yet. So yeah, I probably don't. Um, but speaking of things that I like, um, you know, it's it's on. You know. The motion pixels wiki that i'm a roguelike gamer um cue our uh our new segment um <laughs> what's it called again matt the roguelike segment um rogan like it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah cue that cue uh rogan like it is uh theme song no, no no it's actually matt that's funny you said that because our producer just kind of tapped my uh tapped my ear it's actually called the Joe Roguelike experience. The Joe Roguelike. Okay. <laughs> cue, that, okay yeah, yeah. cue that theme song. I know we had the other theme song kind of like on deck about to be disc jockeyed, but uh, disc jockey the other one right now. The Joe Roguelike experience. Train by day, Joe Roguelike. Podcast by night, all day. Yeah, actually, I like that one a lot better. I'm, I'm glad we went with that one. Um, yeah, so Roguelikes. You know, can't live with them, can't live without them, as the saying goes. Um, I have been playing a lot of Dead Cells, and which is a very good game that we talked about last week. And, more importantly, a very bad game. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that, because I want to name the game. And I don't, you know, it's a it's a good, it's a game. Games can my, be bad, man. Just okay, in my out. opinion, I like all games. Except a lot of them. Um, and this game was good in the sense that i have dumped i don't have my switch on me 
right now to check, but probably like, you know, a, a, a respectable, you know, maybe like three, four hours uh, this week, um, dipping my toes in a very bare bones roguelike called Skull Rogue, um, a game that I bought for like a dollar or something on Switch that is a roguelike in the most academic bare bones boiled down boilerplate sense of it's a game where you are a skeleton and you fight other skeletons and you have a sword and you can find other swords and your sword only points in either left or right but you can still like attack up and down and diagonally it just doesn't animate that and uh everything is just entirely random all the drops you get um you're there's no story you just press start and you're a skeleton in a room and you beat a bunch of waves of other skeletons that look exactly like you and uh you take their gear if it's better than yours they have like helmets and chainsaw looking swords and rapiers rapiers um let's get a let's get a translation let's sorry pronunciation check on uh rapier um you know thin little swords though there's there's swords of varying thickness in this game is what i'll say and um None of them do really anything different. Um, they're kind of shaped differently. But uh, I've been playing a bunch of this game, and there's not much to the game is the thing about it. <laughs> you kind of just go through one room, and then another room is generated. And what's funny is it doesn't, like, check. It doesn't, like, have a have validation against, like, you start out in one room, and then let's say you take the door to your – there's, you know, four walls, and each of them has a door to another room. And you can take the door on the right to a new room, beat that room, and then open the door to the left, which you'd think would take you back to the, your original room, but it just generates another room that <laughs> you, you go through. And like every like every so often you gain a level that you can use to like buff your health or damage or attack range or something like that. So there's a bit of like a meta game, you know. Um in like the same way I described a few pods ago about Hades, how Hades has this really intricate system of uh, meta RPG above each roguelike run where rather than just unlocking weapons like you might in Binding of Isaac that you can then find in other runs, uh, like find as you're going through other runs. Um, in Hades, there's all sorts of unlockables and skills you can you can buff up um, between runs with currency and whatever uh, uh, experience you gain um, in your runs outside of your runs you can manage all of that in skull rogue there's the most bare bones version of that and you know it's kind of fun it's kind of fun um it's it's been fun enough to suck my eyeballs in for a few hours this week um and it's made me realize that uh roguelikes are cool even the most bare bones one you know it um it just kind of scratches that itch of like a randomly generated little adventure i can go on um but i mean skull rogue not a great game not a great game, but you know it. Uh, it scratches. It attempts to scratch the itch, and sometimes succeeds. Of uh, rogue lichen, of lichen rogues. Matt, input, thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, compliments. I I don't think I could ever play a game like that. Interesting. I don't. Yeah, dude. I I don't know. There's so many other things that I'd rather play or watch that I don't know if I would even put like ten minutes into uh, some dollar store switch game. <laughs> I, I like i, I, I love that dollar store switch games exist because i don't I really feel like it's just yeah i feel like stuff like that like i feel like skull rogue is part of a bigger blight some would say the uh that's a joke in bad taste it's a blight that is uh a, a, across the switch store like i i i feel like games like that kind of just degrade services of things that are more worth purchasing in a way it's just, it's like a it adds to the pile like like so that game that's an indie game right mm -hmm. there are such higher quality indie games that just get lost in the pile of shovelware that ends up on services because of things like that and i i, I just i when people i mean somebody put work into that so it's not to say that it doesn't deserve to exist but I hate when like games that just get kind of thrown onto something just kind of like bring it down. It it, it like makes a, a store feel like it's like 
like the app store, you know, or like the Google play store when you're trying to look for a game, like you just can't find anything good. Cause everything, there's just so much trash in the way that you, you can't, do you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, but you know, when you're a man of taste, like those who inhabit the Joe roguelike experience segment tend to be sometimes, um, you can curate, you know, what shovelware you shovel into your, you know, your mouth. Um, and I think there's something to be said for, you know, seeing what's out there. Um, I wouldn't say Skull Rogue is a diamond in the rough. I would say it's maybe like a penny you find and you're like, this penny might come in handy. I could get a little bit of use out of this penny. I could put it in like the little the little coin thing next to the cashier register that people can use if they're a penny short. You know, it scratches the it scratches the, the smallest little itch. Yeah, but for um, those who can't find game who aren't connoisseurs like you are you know it's just another thing that's like like maybe somebody sees that and uh uh oh no what's that called shut not shovel knight um hollow knight hollow knight yeah somebody sees that in hollow knight and they're like not a roguelike as far as i'm aware hollow knight well oh yeah you're Metroid right, you're right. sorry yeah yeah um i was getting the two mixed up but even that it's like a game like that some that's worth that's just worth somebody's time so much more than <laughs> was skele- rogue skeleton. Yeah, rogue- but I don't know. Roguelike is not out here to try to suck up your whole life, you know, like a service game might or like some big RPG might. It's just here to, you know, be a distraction in, you know, your day that might have otherwise been spent playing better games. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> FTL, one uh, of the best roguelikes of all time. I actually I haven't played FTL. I'd like to. What? No, yeah, yeah you have. I'm sure yeah. I must have made you play it. I used to the first time I visited you in Chicago, I brought my uh I had it on my laptop. That's what I played on like on the airplane. That's what I used to play all the time when I would travel. I would just have my bad laptop and uh FTL cuz it could run it and that game is amazing. You you yeah. really got to try that. That that's I might have tried. It. I mean I'm, I'm very familiar with it. I know kind of the gameplay loop and like what it looks like. Um, yeah, I'll play it. I probably own it. It seems like a game that was in a bunch yeah. of like, it, and you can bundles. get it on like anything. Now. I think you can even get it on your phone. It's not a bad commute game. Like if you're on the L, you can just play sure. some uh, FTL. Totally homework. worth it. Okay, totally podcast worth it. homework. I will. I will try that. Yeah. Um, I will try FTL. Um, and I have been playing better roguelikes. I've been playing uh, Dead Cells a ton this week. Um, it is such a good game, and I've been playing it so much that. Um, I guess I should, I should I should elaborate on why it's a good game. I talked to, I talked last week or the week before I think last week about how good it feels. Like you could you're like whenever you jump you can slam down through walls through the floor onto enemies. You you're jumping around like a ninja. You have a, a double jump that feels nice and nice and crisp. Um, the combat feels cool. You're laying all sorts of traps. It's a it has a pretty easy to use combat system that um feels just like a good brawler hack and slash kind of game but in this like roguevania i think is the genre they say they're a part of um roguevania package it's like a metroidvania roguelike so it's like procedurally generated um though i think there's a final boss that i haven't gotten to yet um i've got decently far i think um I think my longest run has been, I don't remember, maybe close to a half hour. Um, I've gotten almost, I think, to the final boss in the DLC, which is, I think you get to that, you get to the DLC, which is called the Bad Seed DLC. Um, I think there's the Bad Seed and then there's um, something about like Land of Giants, something like that. Um, in the Bad Seed DLC, uh, introduces a few like swampy marshy biomes you can get to earlier in the game um, like you find doors to these like very early in your run um, and the aesthetic is awesome it's like if dark souls took place in a a really colorful swamp with like dudes with blow guns like blow dart guns shooting darts at you and like giant like swamp ticks that you have to fight um, it's just a cool game man dead cells is awesome super super deep game like crazy crazy amount of weapons and stuff you can uh, builds you can make it's just it's just awesome 
that's an example of a much better game than uh, Skull Rogue. Yeah. I, w- I, I wish I... I want to play games like that, but at the same time, I don't really ever sit down and make myself do that. Like, Dead Cell seems cool, but I don't think I'm ever going to play it. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. It's kind of a... You know, kind of a niche thing, I guess. Um, not everyone plays. Not not everyone's into like Metroidvania, Metroidvanias, and roguelikes. No, I I like roguelikes and I like Metroidvanias, but like, like the reason I don't see myself sitting down to play like like Dead Cells or something like that is because if I'm gonna play a single player game, usually it's me playing something like Rimworld. I know it's still too early to talk about that, so I'm gonna leave that. But is Rimworld? Like, do we wait? Is is most of our podcast now going to be the Joe Roguelike experience because Rimworld might fall under the umbrella of Roguelikes? It's kind. I mean, not really. It doesn't... Segment ended. End the segment. End the segment. Close End... the door. The segment <laughs> is over. The Joe Roguelike experience is a sacred experience that is only fit for the best Roguelikes, the most pure definitions of the genre. Um, and I don't think Rimworld. Let's talk about Rimworld now. Okay. I, I don't think it's a. It's a roguelike although it is procedurally generated it's much much more on the on the on the side of um like civilization management games Uh, oh yeah it's not a roguelike so just just for a little back back background um before matt and i podcast we typically agree on some sort of game we're going to play together to talk about um, Matt keeps trying to get me to play league and I tried to elevate his no I, I wouldn't I didn't try to get you to play league he did try to get me to play leaves, but no. I suggested I saw a few people on our respective socials playing Rimworld. I hadn't didn't know anything about it other than uh, some pro wrestler on my uh, Twitter feed was tweeting about how she was looking for a game similar to it, and I was like, "Okay, I see you." So um, we kind of impulse impulse got it, um, and it's been great. I, I've put maybe like five hours into it over the past couple of days. Matt's put forty eight or so hours into it <laughs> 12.3 okay like i said like i said yeah uh i i told right before we bought it i told you this is dangerous i shouldn't be buying this right now <laughs> yeah you were looking and through look like what the, happened you were looking through like the detailed description of the game and you're like oh no oh this is gonna be bad dude yeah because uh, games like this like not even just like man yeah, I guess like management games or civilization type games, I just get so hooked into. Well, and I remember this... when you and I were in, uh, sorry to interrupt, but just to color that, uh, when you and I were in high school, I remember like during the summer, like we would have like four dudes over at my house for like four days straight and we would spend most of the daylight hours and nighttime hours of those days playing Civ, like playing like land party uh, Civ games, so you know there is something deep in our our gamer DNA that you know has us liking these these Civ type games. You see, I I I know who when Oak came over and played those with you. It wasn't typically me. I didn't ever really get too into Civ. Like I played it a bit. Um, I think it was five, the one where they did they made the shift mm-hmm. to the hexagon ones. Yeah, yeah we and it play, was fun. Five. Yeah, but. It was never, like, a game that really, like, got me drawn in. Because it's not about, like, like, it's not about building an empire and there's there's an end to Civ. It, well, Civ is about building an empire. That's wrong. It's not about building a community. Like, the objective is you're going to make this giant civilization and you're going to conquer everything. And then the game ends. Whereas I enjoy the act of building, like, a town or something of that nature with no clear end in sight like it's done when i am done with the game which can take forever like like age of empires 2 did you ever play that Mm -hmm. yeah of course yeah when i was a kid what i used to do was i would just build the best base i wouldn't attack anybody i would just build a whole town and get all my people harvesting resources and just have this giant army and i would just sit there and not do anything because that's like what i love to do and the the whole like actual like go conquer people and do rts stuff part of the game wasn't anything that ever got me interested in which is like what civ is more like but this game dude this is like it it gets that like there's always clear objectives of like what you want to do next just on the horizon but you got all this bullshit that's going on that you got to deal with before you can do it 
like your guys are starving or like somebody's attacking you and all or you really you're having want to... a, your guys are having a nervous breakdown and killing each other yeah oh dude like, just so many okay we should we should give some background as to what this like the gameplay loop i guess is before we dive too far into it um so yeah this game it's a uh, Basically, if you've ever heard of Dwarf Fortress, it is kind of Dwarf Fortress. Yeah, it's with, a, I think they say it's a storytelling, a, a AI-generated storytelling game. Yeah, which, to be fair, it seems a little lighter. I know Dwarf Fortress is all kind of about the story that's happening, and uh, there's, like, these big tales of, like, all your guys that kind of unfold, which this game kind of has. Um, when people die, it will give a description of, like, what happened to them, and there's little story events that you can um, kind of see by like random events that are happening. But this game's more focused on you have a colony with like a few people and you're just trying to survive. So you'll build like a little base and you can go harvest wood or mine or have them do whatever. And the objective is just to kind of survive and build a stable community. Um, And there's a lot of things that will happen while you do that. Uh, like there, like there's a bunch of random events that will just kind of occur. And before you even start the world, like we were saying earlier, it's procedurally generated, not procedurally, but like randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the world that you start on, like Gus and I, we have two separate games with two separate worlds. Like our maps look nothing alike. Characters are nothing alike. Factions are nothing alike. And when you start, it's a randomly generated world based off like uh, a certain landmass and water, amount of the world is based off like sliders that you can set and then the amount of like difficulty in the game is set by a storyteller that you pick that's basically going to decide like how unfair is this game going to treat you are you going to get raided by enemies non-stop or are you going to have like a peaceful game where your guys can kind of just build a community without needing to ever worry about getting attacked by anything um, which is what like, i'm playing i'm playing a um, I don't think they call it easy mode, but the storyteller you choose is called like, what's her name? The uh, Phoebe Chillax. Uh, yeah, Phoebe Chillax is my storyteller, <laughs> and I'm playing on peaceful mode, so you don't get attacked, but you can still get there's like environmental catastrophes that can happen. Yeah, like disease and things like that. Yeah, and there's just so many little things to manage. Like there's the whole um, did you ever get into like the prioritizing what you're guys will do like their Mm -hmm. work menu yeah you have to prioritize there's like a a checklist where you uh there's a checklist that has like a flow a flowing order from most important to least important that you um have to select across all of your um people all the people in your town or whatever you call them um you're you're the people you control um and that dictates what in what order they prioritize Things like hauling wood, cooking, tending to people who are injured, or what other? What are some other things? Yeah, there's like crafting, art, like the awarding skill, taming animals. There's a oh, whole bunch of different things. Because you can do. manage, you can like build a prison for people you capture, and you, mm-hmm. I guess you can have people act as like prison wardens. You can sell them as slaves. Oh boy. Yeah. What's really cool about this game is oh like boy, Matt, tread carefully. <laughs> neither of we're not doing any of this yet. But uh, my friend's playing this, and he has a community that lets you do all... Like, this game lets you do all the messed up stuff, and that's what he's doing. His community is based around cannibalism. So whenever they kill somebody, they just chop up the body part and cook it into their food. Um, I believe he's a slaver also. You can also harvest organs from your slaves oh my God. and sell them. Yeah, there's a lot of that stuff in this game. And you, you can just go any way. There's no... There's nothing in the game that's telling you, hey, like, you should make an organ farm. That's just something you can decide to do. Like, you can just make a caravan of a bunch of nomadic uh, raiders. They're going to go to different bases, enslave people, and then, and then like, harvest their organs or take them on the road with you as slaves and make them do all your work. You can just do any of that. Or you can build, like, a peaceful community like Gus and I are doing where, you know, you just try to save people and build a big settlement. Uh, take, I just take care of your animals. I have a, I have two dogs, yeah. two dogs and a cat. Um, they sleep right next to all of my boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the oh, the pets are great too. I have a I have like a herd of huskies. 
Oh my god! <laughs> and one of the random events was uh, these huskies joined, and I got a, a a boy and a girl husky, and they make babies. And now I have an entire like just herd of dogs that will <laughs> uh, that I've trained to be attack dogs, and they haul things. So everybody has a dog that they're bonded to. We're like a nomadic, not nomadic, but we're like a uh, like a a tribal settlement that has like a strong animal connection. So we do everything with our dogs. And they'll help you attack. They help you haul things. It's so great. And when a dog dies, it's like that's worse than a, a person dying in my community to me because the dogs are just so great. But, yeah, there's so many other things you can do. Like you can tame uh, wild animals. I tamed a bear earlier today. Really? Yeah. How do you, I have wait, an how attack do you do bear and an attack polar bear. That's, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, Sorry. earlier I was on the I was on the mic with Matt while I was playing in my world, and I forget what it, I forget what the rat was called. What, what was the rat I was asking you about called? Oh, the boom rat. Yeah, there's there's this thing called a boom rat, which is like a rat that has all these like postules growing out of it, like big like bubbles coming out of its skin. And I was like, oh, a boom rat. What's that? And then moments later, before Matt could even answer, it ran into my supply room and just blew up and set a <laughs> bunch of set a bunch of my supplies like food and. Uh, cloth and stuff on fire i was reading a good strategy on what to do with boom rats what so what like, should i do with boom rats are, so are what pod, some people are, do our audience need to know when you have animals you can set areas that they can um go to so you can restrict things so like if you don't want your boom rats going into your house you can like set a predefined area of boom rats are only allowed in this radius and they'll follow that for the most part even um, wild what, wild boom rats will no, only your personal ones. So you can tame boom rats. Like oh, you can have some as pets. Oh yeah. So if it's a random one, you just got to make sure it's locked down. But if you tame a boom rat and start breeding boom rats, what I was reading somebody did is they have like a moat, but it's not a moat. It's a giant breeding area for boom rats, and they keep it on the perimeter. So when people come and attack, they have to shoot into the boom rats, which will then. <laughs> Which will then blow up and uh, kill them. Dude, so that's some, like Game of Thrones level tactics, right? I I I read that. I was like, that is that's that's a lot of work. I'm not gonna do that, but that's really cool. And that's why this game's awesome. Is you can just do something as dumb as that, and it's a good idea. Like that's a good defense. Like who needs traps or weapons when you have your boom rat army that's willing to throw themselves at your enemies? Meanwhile, I'm out here living a peaceful life. I built my fort. Um, into the side of a mountain by the coast and we're we're a tribal group of uh friends i like to think um called the hungry masses and um we're just out here trying to survive we're eating rice patties just started cooking uh, uh farming uh cotton um got a lot of buffalo meat on deck uh, my people are eating good sleeping good you know they're petting animals it's a it's a good life for uh, the hungry masses and then I had a last night. I played a, a different world um, where my people were called the Imperial Inquisition, and my plan was to lead an Imperial Inquisition. But um, I like zoned out for like a couple minutes, and when I looked at my people, one of them had had a nervous breakdown, and one of them had had a nervous breakdown and gone on an insulting spree, so just insulting <laughs> yeah. all of my other guys, and then that pissed off one of my other guys who then got into a fight with a person having a nervous breakdown who got killed by that person. Um, and then another person got injured somehow. And the Imperial Inquisition is uh, taking a little hiatus, taking a, a peaceful hiatus. Yeah. That uh, I had the insult spree, but I had two people that I didn't realize this. Um, I sent them on a caravan mission together. And that's like a, you build like you, get a, like a pack animal like a horse or something and load up some supplies and you can go to another settlement and uh, like trade with them or do something like that the two people i sent on this caravan um they must have had some social trait but they just didn't get along and they would constantly break out into social fights but uh they did this like right as they went on the road so before i could stop them they got into a fight and beat the crap out of each other and went on to this on this caravan expedition just bloody and beaten the entire time and by the time they got back uh one person uh died of infection because she'd just been out like on her caravan mission just right before you know just having a casual fight with her friend just beating the crap out of each other 
Um, so that was that was sad. I had to bury her. I couldn't go f- that far back in my saves to stop that from happening. But stuff like that's cool. It's just like dynamic interactions. And this stuff is even better because you can name these people whatever names you want. So uh, I have all my settler, all my settlers are named after all my friends. So have it's I fun died to, yet? Uh, no, you haven't. But um, but yeah, Tito, Tito had his uh, head crushed in by a falling rock in a, a mine he was mining in. Happens um, to the best of us. I've seen yeah. 1917. It can happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. I have a in my friends game. I'm a I'm like a a social leader in his game and uh he made me the leader because i lost my arm in a bear fight and then i crafted my own prosthetic arm to replace it (laughs) and he's like any leader any guy with a robotic arm has to be the leader of a colony it's just too badass to not do yeah obviously obviously yeah yeah Yeah. this game's great man in my uh in the imperial inquisition the guy who got killed um by the guy on an insulting spree his name was uh nelson coincidentally <laughs> and he was an antisocial child oh, and, now, and now he's dead so no longer in the dead. running for most notable nelson um Darn. unless we're unless we're you know offering post-mortem awards um, we'll see how it shakes out yeah we'll see we don't find out till the end so yeah the algorithm takes it's kind of a um you know if you're into computer science if you're into algorithms this uh, proprietary algorithm is extremely high latency. Um, we've distributed it across a network of nodes across the globe that are always churning, always looking for the best Nelsons. And uh, we bring those to you at the end of the podcast to really make sure that that algorithm has time to churn and burn. Exactly. Exactly. Um, speaking of uh, churning and burning, I wanted to burn myself to death after i finished watching it comes at night that movie was so stupid um and what? you were telling me that you liked it um, i love so that the movie's so it. good <laughs> hold <laughs> yeah, on i, I gotta it. make sure i'm thinking of the right movie it's an a24 movie and yeah. as, as we were talking about with uh dane the brain uncle dane um a24 is on a hot streak they're putting out stuff like midsummer like the witch like uh hereditary but um obviously they're you know squeezing out a few stinkers too uh and it comes at night unfortunately you didn't like that category that movie was so stupid dude okay that was like a movie made by someone who thought they were making a really cool movie tell me tell me what you didn't like go through everything and i'm gonna i'm gonna question you as you go through okay first let me you know let me describe let me uh paint a picture for our viewers, for our, the people streaming, listening, reading, the transcribe. We have a lot of actually, um, the, the we're actually very big in deaf circles. So a lot of people transcribe our podcast um, in all sorts of languages to, to listen, to read um, the transcription. So um, for those people, especially, I say, do not watch It Comes at Night if you like to watch good horror movies, because this is a bad one. Um, it is about a family. The, the premise is cool, which is, you know, much like Chicago's winters and their summers, which are great. The premise lures you in. You think, oh, this is going to be a very cool movie. The tone is cool. The actors seem young and cool. It's set in the forest uh, amid some sort of unnamed plague where whenever someone's walking outside, they wear a, a gas mask. And there's this family living on their own scraping by surviving in this house in the middle of the woods and they encounter another person um, and they don't know if this person is trying to rob them they don't know if this person is trying to kill them or just passing through to find supplies and the movie is kind of about this family dealing with surviving in this world while figuring out if they can survive with with other people with with another family with other people um in this world while some sort of plague that you don't really see a lot of is going on like the plague is some sort of zombie kind of inducing a uh, disease where a character dies early on in the film spoiler there's death um and they burn the body almost immediately um they never go out at night because um spoiler it comes at night but um yet another spoiler 
this movie never does anything with a its title it comes at night nothing ever comes at night really it's all just a bunch of suspense that doesn't lead to a whole lot of good payoffs and some characters make some snap dumb decisions and there's some stuff that is just left untalked about but frustratingly so like what and the movie ends the end of the movie was so dumb Man, what, what was, was like, the thing that didn't get talked about um let me remember so oh okay so the, we're entering a spoilery zone um but I'll, I'll be vague here so if you do want to watch this movie i won't spoil specifics um i won't spoil you know like the 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 big things that happen in this movie but there's a there's a point where something enters the house of uh this family and it's unexplained and freaks everyone out and it's just never talked about who did that it's never you know you don't you, you know what i'm talking about matt there is a there's a room that um is like a kind of entryway room to their house that's locked um both like at the door that's inside their house and the door that faces the outside and something or someone breaks into that room and leaves something or someone in that room and it's just they never they never investigate what happened it just kind of freaks them out and leads to other drama down the down the road but it's like you guys are spending all of this time and effort fortifying yourselves in this house in the forest during this horrible plague and you're not trying to figure out who broke into your house in the middle of the night like what like how did they get in there why did they just leave what they left like it's never talked about it's never talked about in the whole movie i don't know what what was left like okay so spoilery spoilers um (laughs) they someone leaves uh, a dead dog like their dog they someone kills their dog and leaves its body in this entryway room and then that starts all this drama about like well who opened the door and then they just start suspecting like not that one of them killed the dog and left it there but they just start freaking out about like someone lying about the door being open and then that leads to all this paranoia that the movie focuses on but they never really talk about the fact that someone killed a dog and left its body in their house hmm i mean that's a fair point i don't remember that and then the ending is like so throughout the whole movie there's these like visions that this uh so it takes place it's about right a family and the family is a um a woman a man who are parents to a teenage boy who's having these visions of um like his grandfather who dies early on in the movie um who died like as a, a zombie who was like spitting up this like black bile um he keeps having visions of him and at the end it just kind of like leaves it up to interpretation whether the ending is another vision or not and i just thought it didn't really have an impact like i wasn't sitting there like oh my gosh but what if that wasn't a vision what if that was real like i I think they just didn't earn the shock value of what happened at the end um i don't know man i just that movie i watched that movie and as soon as it was over i said out loud well that was bad Hmm. See, it, I saw it when it came out, so I'm rough on the exact like storyline, I guess, because um, I don't remember the, like the couple of things I asked you about. I don't remember those happening, but I remember why I liked it, and I just remember really enjoying the the tension that they build throughout the entire movie. I I, I thought a lot of the movie, like the main point of it was around trust and trusting others in a like apocalyptic situation like kind of what they're in and it the movie didn't try to go a route where like you can a lot of movies that are in a kind of genre like that they'll try to go about it in a sense where they're trying to trust people like that are on the road right like can you trust this person that you just found that you're getting chased by zombies and blah 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 and this movie kind of took that back and it's uh can you trust this person to come and live with your family because it's just a person that is in the same situation as you but are are they okay can you let them come in like are you going to condemn somebody that finds themselves in the same situation that you're in right now and are you just going to turn your back on them or are you going to try to make it work 
Um, yeah, what I'll say about this movie is that it does introduce some interesting questions. Like the setting is cool, and I like that they ask these kind of kinds of questions in a you know pretty original take on like a post-apocalyptic scenario. Um, like it kind of had like a like a more rural version of the vibe of Ten Cloverfield Lane, which you know, I'll admit was cool, um, and the acting was pretty good but um i just think i think it it fell flat with what it was going for like it asks these questions about you know who you can trust and what rebuilding looks like like what living your life looks like after something horrible happens to civilization and you're disconnected from society like can you really go on and leave lead a normal life like what what happens after the big you know the big boom that breaks everything um Mm -hmm. and those are some cool questions you know i'm all for um, you know, asking the big questions, uh, you know, on the backdrop of interesting scenarios and, you know, maybe analogies and metaphor, visual metaphors, maybe, you know, a little academic something rather like that. Um, which, you know, reminds me of another movie we watched. That, I'm just leaving a breadcrumb here. We're not going to talk about that this, this this week. But, you know, it reminds me of another movie um, in this post-apocalyptic movie arc that we're on now on the motion pixels podcast um, of Andre Tarkovsky's stalker, um, which is a movie I think we'll talk about next week. Um, Cause Dane also watched it and uh, I want to talk to him about it, but um, that's another movie that, you know, asks some, some interesting questions uh, in a post-apocalyptic backdrop. And I'm all for that, but I really just don't think it comes at night landed. Like, hmm. Yeah, th- maybe I just enjoyed that the tension build mm-hmm. up more. Like just the I mean, if it I can't remember if I liked the payoff or not at the end, but I remember it like it while it was building the tension, I very I felt it, right? Like I felt very all the scenes felt very tense to me. And uh one of like I think one of the best parts of that movie was um the car scene towards the beginning. Do you remember that? Oh, that actually that was, that was really that was a really cool scene. That was a very well done scene. That, that scene that was like Daisy the, the movie. Scene? Um, you might need to because I I kind of remember it, but I think you'll be better off. I I forgot why they are even in that situation, but okay. So early on in the movie, um, this is so just to to you know paint a picture in the brains of our um, intellectual listeners. Um, this this is a scene that probably borrows. Uh, a little from Children of Men's uh, car scene, where if you've seen Children of Men, there's a very famous, like very long shot um, scene in a car that you'll know what I'm talking about if you've seen Children of Men. But it's a scene in uh, It Comes at Night where in the beginning, right, they they run into this other person who they're not sure is trying to break into their house and kill them, break into their house thinking it was abandoned and just take some stuff to help this person's family. But um, one of the main characters takes uh, drives this person who broke into their house um, to where he says his uh, family is um, so that they can go get that family so that, that the family can live live with them in this big house that they have in the forest that the main character has. And they take their truck there. And while they're driving down this desolate, you know, like forest road where they haven't seen another person in like years or something like that. Um, all of a sudden there's gunshots that go out and I think like there was a trap on the uh, there was a trap on the road or something so the car spins out to the side of the road and there's this big shootout that is made interesting by uh, the fact that you can't see, you don't see anyone so it's like they're being shot out shot at from like snipers like somewhere in the forest and they're crawling to cover and like kind of blind firing oh, God, and so um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it comes totally abruptly because you don't think you're they're going to run into anyone, um, because the movie does a good job of establishing the, um, the isolation that this family has from other people. Um, so it you know it has some shock value and um, it's a really cool shootout. Um, like there's like shots ringing out, like echoing in the forest and cracking like right near the main character's head. Um, it, it's a it's a well done scene. Yeah, that 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 scene I think is definitely the highlight of the movie for sure. Like at least watching that scene is worth it. Yeah, it has some it has some cool parts for sure. Um, but I would I you know I would give it maybe like two out of two out of four emojis, <laughs> two out of two out of four dog emojis. Poor dog. Poor dog. Poor dog. Poor dog. 
Um, what other movies? Um, we have some movies on the agenda. Um, I don't know if we're going to be talking about. Um, we're we're, we're going to be talking about um, Tarkovsky's Stalker movie from 1979 uh, next yeah. week. Can I talk about all the stuff I I'm so excited to watch this month, but it's it's not all out yet. Uh, yes. Let, let me just yeah. let, let me just preface this with what we're what we're planning to. We like I said, we're on this post-apocalyptic story arc if you've seen one piece the anime you're familiar with story arcs if you've seen naruto think of this as a naruto story arc where we're watching post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic movies that are kind of off the beaten path these aren't i am legend these are this top shelf shit um we're going to be watching and talking about tarkovsky stalker next week and then shortly after we'll be talking about um eraserhead david lynch's eraserhead so if you're into into that kind of thing um stay tuned but um you know we we watch a lot of stuff um matt is excited about some stuff uh matthew yeah like this month i feel like this is a big month for things that are coming out on netflix there are a lot of things i'm really excited for this month and two of them are actually already out and i just have to put time aside to watch them i think i Um, know the thing one of the things that's already out that i know we're both very excited for castlevania yeah, Castlevania, I think, came out a couple days ago, so I got to start watching that. Um, man, what a that show is such a surprise. Yeah, like, right? You, you don't expect it to. When that came no out? way. No way. Especially what because, a... you know, Konami is not exactly, you know, buying trust of the, the gamer community, so I was expecting it to be just hot garbage. But I don't it's even got think awesome... it's by Konami. I think it was it... A, a Netflix, like, anime original they are trying to make, and they just got the, they licensed the IP and made it. I believe that's right. Yeah, um, and they have some awesome creative talent behind it. Warren Ellis, a uh, seasoned comic book writer, he did. Uh, he, I think he wrote um, Trans Metropolitan, uh, and he did the a recent run of Moon Knight um, from Marvel Comics that was just awesome. Um, so, I mean, this is a this is some this is some good shit. Castlevania on Netflix. Yeah, the, the third season just dropped. I have not seen it yet, but I'm very excited to. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I'm excited. Like that the show. Just its existence is just it's so great. Uh, it's so great that it's doing well too. Like when I when that first came out, I was kind of like half. I was on the fence about watching it because it was like, oh, a Castlevania anime on Netflix, huh? This this probably isn't going to be good. But it, it and it spoiler has, yeah, it is it is it's really <laughs> it's extremely good. good. It's like yeah. super gruesome gothic horror. It's kind of like. If they made an anime about the Innistrad block and Magic the Gathering and just went full force with it. Yeah. Dude, it's so good. It's so so good. good. Okay. Can you guess the other two things I'm excited for this month that are coming out? Another one's already out. Yes. Um, Okay. So the things Matt is most excited for, Grey's Anatomy Season 14. Yes. (laughs) Uh, It's actually already out. uh, Love is Blind Season (laughs) (laughs) 2. Nailed it. Yeah, I nailed. So we can move on. Unless you have anything else you're excited for? Yeah. Wait. Okay. Do you not know what? I feel like you are you at Altered Carbon. Have you? No, you I haven't. The... I have not hopped on the the train. I've heard it's good. Yeah. I. So actually, I'm excited to watch the second season because I haven't read that book. Uh, Altered Carbon is actually a series where I read the book before they decided to make it a show, which is really cool. Um, to see it you know, get made into something because that universe is really neat. But I didn't actually finish the first season. It just kind of felt I don't know. Did it have that like did it have that Netflix medium budget feel where it feels nicer than like a CW show, but not much nicer? Like some shows like Sabrina the Teenage Witch or whatever, The Dark Adventures of Sabrina, whatever that show's called, suffers from this. No, it it feels very high budget. I think my big issue with it, um was I knew the story because I had mm. I've read that book like three times, uh, and so I know I knew what was gonna happen, um, and I just didn't really care to watch it because I already like things they're trying to do. It's like right, I know what you're doing, um, but season two, I haven't read that book, so it's a whole new thing. And what's great is uh they like they're following it and they're like changing up the actors and everything because the whole like sci-fi premise of the show is um do you, you do you know anything about it yeah I'm, I'm, uh, we had a uh we had a long you know discussion about this show last weekend um at one of the nights of pax oh we did um, it was over oh, okay, over cool. a couple drinks a couple i forgot about that yeah yeah so this show like 
the humanity is in a state where people can change bodies. Uh, bodies are nothing more than like clothing, basically. And everybody's minds exist in a digital state that can download into bodies. And so this guy, or the main character, um, changes his uh, bodies between like books. And so season two, um, it's a new actor. And in the first season, they had um that wow, what's his name, Joel. Joel Kinnaman. Joel Kinnaman. Okay, yeah. Uh, Handsome guy, the guy who played the Republican senator running yep. against Frank Underwood in House of Cards. Yeah, he was a he was the main character, and now it's a new actor, and I think it's cool that they're keeping that tradition up because I can uh I can see that being a civil li- liberty, you know, like being like, oh, we're just gonna keep this guy. A you civil know? liberty? You mean creative liberty? Creative. Liberty. Wow. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, it might be a civil liberty, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the liberty to you know change what you want. Uh, All Americans now have. Yeah, I mean, everyone has the opportunity to be in altered carbon. You know, this is America; it's a free country. You can be in altered carbon if you yeah, exactly. really work hard, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Just email your senator. You know, I've seen Hamilton. I know all about liberty. You know, um, come on. Well, I mean, that's come why on. they had the the Republican uh, president hopeful play the main actor. You know. So because this is america as yeah. donald glover once said okay well yeah so altered carbon season two i'm excited for because i'm hoping i watch this whole one and the third thing um is uh the new season of ozarks have you uh have you seen any of that show that to me seems like a show akin to netflix's bloodline which is a show that all of my gen x friends watch and i'm just not interested for some reason but have you tried watching it no and i'm sure it's great (laughs) (laughs) it's great it's it's like i heard it's like uh, breaking bad yeah so that's the the problem is i don't want to compare it to breaking bad because breaking bad's better um at least the prestige of breaking bad is better i would say maybe ozark season one and two no ozark season one is definitely better than breaking bad season one um Because Breaking Bad season one wasn't when that show really took off. Oh, no, right? yeah. it, I mean, it, it continually one, popped off season after season. Yeah, that season grew. I think Ozark season one is probably better than Breaking Bad season one. But I don't think uh, that show is going to be better than that. Um, it's a little – I don't even know if it's darker. It's like it's a it's a good replacement, right? Like I don't think there's a lot of things that are filling that kind of market in a way. And – What's cool is they're doing different things with the characters. The characters aren't – it's not just a copy of Breaking Bad. It's like a somewhat similar um, theme where there's people um, doing illegal things uh, that involve drugs. That's kind of – and it, they're normal people that got into it. Um, and that's why it's kind of like Breaking Bad, but it's not like anybody's like cooking meth. And there's no like Walter White type character that's uh, – you can break down in a bunch of different ways and decide if he's like a good or a bad guy or anything like that. Like this show is very different without setting up and it doesn't feel like it's trying to be breaking bad. It's just uh kind of what it gets lumped into. Um, I think it's worth watching. I've, I enjoyed the first two seasons. Uh, that was another show. It was a nice surprise that like didn't even hear anything about it. Um, and then it just came out the main actor, the main male lead actor is, a. Uh, that one guy from Arrested Development, um, Michael Sarah, <laughs> Michael Sarah, yeah, <laughs> Jason Bateman, Jason, Jason Bateman. Bateman, yeah, and I, I really like him. He's pretty good. Um, he does really a good job in it. Uh, recommend it. It's good. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Last week, we endorsed Ace Watkins for president. This week, we endorse season what of Ozark? Season one. Season one of Ozark. You heard it here first. So that's going to be a lot of hours of watching, which I might not even get to it all this month because I might just be playing RimWorld the entire time. Yeah, so. yeah. If uh, the sample size of the last two days is any any example, you will yeah. you will definitely be playing it's RimWorld. Bad. That and League. I'm going to talk about League. I'm sorry. You have to no, deal with it. I, no, no. Guys, on. this has been a great podcast. Nope, nope, uh, I'm your co-host. I'm going to rant about August League for Meyer. a little bit, okay? This is my nope, we're not done. You know, associate we're co-host, not done. Matthew we're not Rallings. Done. Matthew, say hi. Uh, hi, I'm here to talk about League right now. Um, and this <laughs> is the Motion Pixels podcast. Wait, aren't I forgetting a segment? 
Something yeah, about... Matt talks about League. We're oh, talking no. about this. We're not moving oh, on. No. Let me let me just talk a little bit about it, bro. Oh, it's not a big no. deal. I, so what? What? Okay. So what's worse, you or League? Not you as in you the person, but you the TV show. You the TV show is much worse. Okay, so you let me talk about that, and you're not going to let me talk about League. Yes, because I have standards. I'm squinting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, because it's fun to rag on you, but League, you know, League is just this big behemoth, you know, with brand deals with Gucci or Dolce & Gabbana or Louis Vuitton or whatever. Um, And that's a whole lot to unpack. That's a a big jar to unscrew, a big... uh, G needle it out of the, the podcast bottle. No, it's not. What are you talking about? It, like you don't. We don't need to talk about every aspect of league. I just want to talk about like the, all the fun I've been having with it the past week. Because I find this is like the first time I've ever played it. Like I know you got on that MOBA train years ago when it's still fresh and cool, putting a hundred hours into Dota like it's nothing. I never did I that. Did. I did. This is I a new experience to me, and. I'm it's great man like I can really see why a lot of people are excited about Riot making a bunch of new games now cuz I feel like they just really try to get like what makes like a competitive game like fun like like League's uh, League feels really good um e- like in for me like I really enjoy it even when I'm getting completely destroyed because I know it's cuz I'm trash right and I don't ever really feel like somebody ever got like lucky or is abusing some like stupid strategy. There's a lot of like skill that's just involved in that game. And it's really refreshing for that to be in there where it's like in a lot of other competitive games, there's just some things that just feel like such garbage that like it just happens. And it feels like it's like such a, it's like there's a lot of feel bads where it's like league. There are a lot of feels feel bads, but it's usually because you and your team suck. And I really like that. It's pretty good. Um, Do does you addictive. and your team typically suck? Uh, we're like fifty fifty. It's it's hard to know because uh, a lot of people are playing on their original accounts. Like like a lot of people been playing this game for years, so they're they have their MMR set at whatever certain level. And I'm new, and I'm like not half bad. I'm definitely not good. But uh, well, you can kind of see the game trying to adjust our group rating based on how we do because sometimes you get into games where there these people are just incredibly coordinated and just do things that like a like a a team that knows the game will do and then sometimes we just destroy kids like like they they weren't even they they must have all been new also so it's a it's kind of swinging while it's trying to figure that out but we've been getting more into a good steady rhythm of finding games that are like more matched so it's kind of cool to see their matchmaking system kind of work in that way yeah I mean, man league is like the number one game on the planet right so i think they've probably ironed out all the kinks in the uh the workflow of getting you to play a ton yeah and from seeing like i didn't really pay attention to riot before on how they do things but they seem very um competitive focused when it comes to like balancing and trying to make the game be the best that it can be like there certainly are things where it's like okay this is definitely like a pain point that they should fix but they from what I've heard, they do that a lot. They'll like go and fix stuff like that. Where like in Overwatch, there'll be a character that's just broken forever, and they won't ever do anything about it. And I, I've heard that League does it more. So we'll see. Because I haven't really been here long enough to see that happen. But I'm I'm hopeful. It's good. I'm enjoying it. Who are you? Uh, who are you maining? Um, I'm playing typically like you know, there's like the the different lanes and all the roles you can play. I feel like most people kind of know mm-hmm. how MOBAs work. Um, I usually play like support or mid. I'm really bad at mid because I can't last hit yet, like consistently. Um, and when I'm in mid, I usually play like Ari or Lux. And then when I'm playing support, I usually play Lux or Leona, the girl with like the, she does like the shield bash and the, she has like the, did you ever play League? You only played Dota, didn't you? I played maybe like 10 hours of League. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like Lux is like a mage. Um, She's pretty iconic. She's one of the characters they used to market it. She has like this big laser beam she can shoot out of her chest. Um, she can, yeah, she's really cool. Uh, she has this like really annoying like circle that she can cast on the ground. And when people walk into it, if you press the button to trigger it, it will blow up and like tag them. 
So she's really fun for like trapping people and uh, eating lasers across the map, just trying to get somebody. Um, Leon yeah, I mean, is cool. League, League is cool. Yeah. League is cool. Yeah, League I like cool. I like the world. I like. I mean, I like MOBAs. I just worry that you know it's like it's, everyone plays League. You know, so who are we to talk about it? I mean, that's fair, but it's just fun. I don't know. I'm probably not yeah. going to talk about it more because there's not a whole lot. I just wanted you know what? to. Uh... This podcast is about. <laughs> having fun exactly we've already endorsed we've already endorsed ace watkins we've already endorsed uh wait what did we endorse earlier uh ozark season one we endorsed ozark season one all endorse having fun with your buds in league of legends exactly you know what we aren't endorsing though endorsing that it's bad rogue skeleton no no (laughs) I, i i i move to veto that counter endorsement. All right, all right, all right, all right. You got to play Skull Rogue, man. Toss Rogue those Skeleton guts a bone. is the best garbage game on Switch. How about that? I agree. There I we agree go. With that statement. All right. Until I release my garbage game on Switch <laughs> to usurp <laughs> Skull Rogue. Um, Before we wrap up, there was mm-hmm. actually something that dropped today that I wanted to see if you saw. Um, was it you? the ball? By the oh. United States government, <laughs> we're not the type. No. Of, we're not that kind of podcast. We're not talking politics, Matt. What are we talking about? What dropped? We're talking about the new uh, Call of Duty Battle Royale game that they just. Oh yeah, Dude, that looks cool. Dropped. That looks sweet. Yeah, like so. So you watched the gameplay trailer about it? Yeah. Yeah, dude. One hundred fifty people Battle Royale. There's another mode that I don't think they've talked about yet. It's called like Plunder. Where you go, like try to get money. I don't know. Oh, is that like? Are, oh, I, dude, I bet they're shooting for the uh, the escape from Tarkov market. Oh, maybe that'd be cool. Um, go, like loot scavenge. I yeah, that could are, be dude. it. Mark my words. Mark my words. <laughs> oh, 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 dude, I have a, I have a movie prediction um, that was so potent that I am sure I am right. And this <laughs> is something no one else online has has said. Okay, I scoured the internet, Matt. I scoured Twitter. No one has come up with this prediction. And it is such a good prediction for something that's going to be so talked about that people... I already replied to my own tweet uh, where I make this prediction. I already replied, you know, uh, flaunting how right I was. Because I know. I replied to my own tweet flaunting how right I was because I know that this is the prediction of the century that um, the Motion Pixels podcast will forever be known for. My prediction, Matthew. So James Gunn directing the suicide squad the sequel to suicide squad one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life but james gunn directing the sequel david ayer directed the first one and david ayer very hit and miss director james gunn less hit and miss director he's directed guardians of the galaxy uh kick-ass i think maybe maybe he wrote that one but guardians of the galaxy good movie the suicide squad matthew is a movie about affiliates the world around the joker are you familiar with the joker matthew yes and if you're familiar with the joker you'll know that suicide squad the first movie had a horrible joker that i think for all intents and purposes is being disavowed by dc especially after they had joaquin phoenix win best actor for his portrayal of a different joker my prediction matthew is taika ytt will play a new version of the Joker in The Suicide Squad. What makes you think that? Taika Waititi has a unnamed mystery role in this movie. Nothing has been released about it. However, Taika Waititi riding high on his performance as Adolf Hitler in Jojo Rabbit. Riding high on all the stuff he's been doing lately. The Thor Ragnarok movie. Um, what we see in the, What we do in the shadows. This is a guy. This is a wild card, Matt. Taika Waititi, cinematic wild card, has the charisma to pull off a Joker, has the jawline to pull off the Joker. Matt, mark my words, The Suicide Squad, coming out later this year, 2021 maybe, maybe later this year, will have the Joker played by Taika Waititi. That'd be cool. I don't know why he'd do that to himself, though. If he's on such a high streak right now. We'll see, Matt. Why would we'll you see. want to be affiliated with that movie? As the main character, nonetheless. I guess if he brings it back, that's pretty good. But that's quite the gamble. We'll see if that gamble pays off, Matthew. In, I don't think it you will. Know, six, 12 months when that movie comes out. <laughs> we will see, Matt. 
We're locking it in. Locking it in. Locking it in. Um, and I think, you know, with the locking in of that hot take so hot that it's poised to burn Twitter to the ground when it comes true, um, I think we're ready to wrap up the pod. So uh, I'll, you know, I'll take us out. Uh, this is the Motion Pixels podcast. I'm August Meyer. This is Matthew Rawlings. And this is usually the part where Matt interrupts me and tells me that I'm forgetting our most important, most recognizable segment. Matthew? Yeah, you're right. See? You did it. You didn't even need me this time. (laughs) Uh, Yes, this is the end of the show where we talk about the most important person. I was going to say on this podcast, but in the world. um, In the, especially the video game sphere. See, okay, so here's the thing, guys. Reggie fils was once the overlord of gamers. Kind of the, who do we say? Um, the central figure, the most important person in all of gaming. But he stepped down. And who stepped up to the plate, Matthew? That's right. Xbox Live's Major Nelson. Larry, Larry Herb. Herb. Yes. Um, and so this is a segment we have dedicated to all of the great things larry herb has done it is called the most notable nelson where we the motion pixels the definitive resource on the internet for picking people named nelson mm-hmm. decide mm-hmm. the best nelson of the week and who uh actually are you, do you who is can you can you tell us who is the most notable nelson this week yeah uh we used to do a big build-up we don't anymore because it's um couldn't guess it uh larry herb xbox lives major nelson is the most notable nelson of the week um, but what we like to do is kind of humor the second runner-up who... I mean, Respect whenever... the fallen. You know, honor the fallen. Yeah, and that's actually very fitting this week. Because this week's most honorable Nelson is uh, Nelson from Gus's Rimworld game, <laughs> who was hurling insults till the day he died. No, no, um, he got he got killed. He got beaten to death by the guy who insulted him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that poor man. Well, this is why we're honoring him um, too soon. No man named Nelson deserves to get beat like that. Mm-mm. <laughs> so today we honor him. Yes. We're, can we take a moment of silence? Uh, everyone, please uh, pour one out for yeah. today's second most notable Nelson. Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We're dead. We're dead. Uh, take, close this out. This has been the Motion Pixels Podcast, guys. I'm your co-host, August Meyer. This is our associate executive co-host, Matthew Rawlings. Matthew, say hi. Hello. And say goodbye, please. Uh, Goodbye. I was actually thinking about having a a riot corner section. Like, oh no, because like this is a conversation for later. But they a little re- scoop of riot remoulade. <laughs> a little scoop of riot. <laughs> what remoulade is like a like a like a sauce. <laughs> yeah, a little scoop of riot remoulade. <laughs>